Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned in to the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey everybody, this is your host, Andre Cherry, and you are listening to the Cherry Picking Podcast, which is presented by the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Hey, what's up everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another show of the Cherry Picking Podcast. We are now headed into week nine action. I cannot believe that we're already nine weeks into this, and it's a little depressing because I love college football, and I feel like we're closer to the end than we are to the beginning, so whew, here we go. So I'm going to have my recap of week eight right now. I'll do my top five locks from week eight action, and I'll run that down for you guys right now. So we had in the ACC, Miami over Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech found a way to win, and, and they beat Miami 28-21 to to get its first conference win. And Jeff Collins officially wins the ex-Temple coach playoff for this year. We'll just I'll call it a playoff because... Manny Diaz was the head coach at Temple for about 17 days or so. Jeff Collins was a coach for two seasons. And these guys faced off. Their teams faced off in a matchup this weekend in the ACC. And Jeff Collins wins. He's the better ex-Temple head football coach. So hats off to Jeff Collins and Georgia Tech. They got their first win in the ACC. And I couldn't have been more wrong about Miami coming into this season. And I, I take all the blame there. I'll tell you when I'm right, but I'll also admit when I'm wrong, and I was wrong on Miami. I thought that there were were enough pieces there, and the fact that Manny Diaz would be coming back home, so to speak, to coach the Miami Hurricanes, I thought that might be enough for them to be competitive in the Coastal, because I thought the ACC would be down this year, and the Coastal actually looks like one of the better divisions, but Miami just blew it. I thought that they would win the Coastal, and there's certainly time for them to make a run, but it seems unlikely. But uh, I was wrong on them, and, and Georgia Tech gets the victory this weekend. I get my first loss out of my Week 8 Power 5 locks for this weekend. And then moving on to the Big Ten, I had Minnesota over Rutgers. No surprise there. Minnesota has been rowing the boat. So P.J. Fleck has got his boys rowing that boat. <laughs> And Minnesota gets the win over Rutgers 42-7. to This team is 7-0. and They've been bowl eligible for a couple weeks now. And they're going to get a win against Maryland this weekend. But their four games to end the season will be brutal. They have Penn State at home. Then they go to Iowa, which is a tough place to win on the road. And then they're at Northwestern. And then Wisconsin to the end of the season. So that that's a tough four-game stretch at the end of the season, but they're 7-0 and right now. They're feeling themselves, and they're rowing that boat. So anything is possible. So that was my win out of the Big Ten this weekend. Then in the Big 12, I had Texas over Kansas, and boy, oh boy, I did not see Kansas making this a close game. And I also didn't see Kansas scoring 48 points in this game. So Kansas surprised me, and the record is still bad, but this team is... Not the same Kansas team that we've seen in the past. This team is sticking around in games. This team is putting up offense, putting up points on the board. Kansas is going to probably be pretty competitive next year out of the Big 12. And hats off to the Jayhawks for going on the road to Austin and putting up 48 points on Texas. I mean, this was Texas needed everything it had to win this game against Kansas. And they did it 50-48, to 48, but yo... Respect to Kansas and to Les Miles. 
he's doing the damn thing down there in Lawrence, Kansas. So I thought this would be a bounce back win for Texas after the brutal loss to Oklahoma the week prior. In this game, there were over 1,200 yards of combined total offense from both teams, including a 399-yard passing performance from quarterback Sam Ellinger from Texas. So this young man had to ball out just to ensure his team would win. And then a negative of the game, I'm not a fan of penalties, I'm not a fan of turnovers. In this game, there were a combined 15 penalties for both of these two teams for a total of 136 total yards. So... Penalties aren't a good thing. Multiple penalties are not good at all. And there's a lot of flags being thrown in this matchup. And that equalizes the game. That equalizes the competition for sure. So that's probably a reason why Kansas was able to stick around in this game when you have so many penalties uh, that can cost your opponent. Now, while Kansas lost this game, I think that there are a lot of positives to be taken from this game, and there's a lot of lessons to be learned. But I honestly think that Kansas is going to get two Big 12 wins this season. I know they currently have zero wins, but their next four games look pretty manageable. I think they could get two. They could sneak away with two wins in the Big 12 this season, and I think that's a huge, huge accomplishment for this program that has been in the basement for over a decade now. The last time that Kansas won at least two conference games was all the way back in 2008 when head coach Mark Mangino was still the head coach. That season, they won four Big 12 games that season en route to an 8-5 and five record. They also won the Insight Bowl that season, which was also the last time Kansas has gone bowling. Now, I don't think they're going bowling this year. In fact, they're not going to go to a bowl game this season. But I think if they can win two games this season and do something they haven't done since 2008, that's a huge accomplishment. That's a huge win for Les Miles. And And I think that's something that you can build on for next season. So I'm going out there. I'm staking my claim. And I'm saying it. Kansas is going to win two Big 12 games this season. Mark my words. Then in the Pac-12, I got the loss. Stanford over UCLA. Coming into this week, I thought that Stanford would just roll over UCLA. But that wasn't the case. UCLA balled out against Stanford by the score of 34-16. to I don't think Stanford even showed up for this game. Now, I didn't know that Stanford was down to its third quarterback in sophomore Jack West coming into this game. So that's certainly a a huge difference maker to not have your best quarterback in this game. And I I did not know that they were down to the third option. And so it it showed uh, because Jack West, he went 15 for 32 with 143 yards through the air. He had no touchdowns. He had no interceptions, but he wasn't able to be productive for Stanford And it it certainly didn't help its team's chances of winning. The O-line has been banged up this this season as well. I think there was um, one player who has started all the games this season for that offensive line. So tough sledding for Stanford this year. And like I said, it was a total mismatch. Total yards, UCLA had 455 yards compared to Stanford's 198. And as a team, Stanford only rushed for 55 yards compared to UCLA's 263 So they've come a a long way from those years in the past where they were a very good team running the ball. They've had some really great running backs in that storied program history. Toby Gearhart is one of the players that comes to mind, but it just, it's a tough sledding right now for Stanford and tough loss for the Stanford tree. It's a tough loss for me and my power five locks for this week. That was my second loss this week. So in the SEC, I'm going to see if I can get a win there. I had Auburn over Arkansas. No contest. 
Auburn got the victory 51 to 10. So that was uh that was how I would end my power five locks for this weekend with the win uh over Arkansas at the hands of Auburn. So if we look ahead here to next week's action or this week's action for week nine in the ACC, I'm taking Clemson over Boston College. Trevor Lawrence hasn't looked like himself lately. This season, he's already thrown eight interceptions compared to four interceptions from last year. So I don't know if he's just got the sophomore jinx or if he's trying too hard. I mean, because he's got some very talented wide receivers who will be playing in the NFL. They'll be playmakers at the next level. Maybe he's trying to do too much. I don't know. But he just hasn't looked like himself or he hasn't looked like the Trevor Lawrence that we saw last season. So I think the most important thing to call out Clemson is still undefeated, so Clemson is still going to roll on to see another day, and if they can win out in the ACC, they most likely will be there in the college football playoffs, because I just don't see a scenario where Clemson goes undefeated and doesn't make it into the college football playoffs. That's just my opinion. So if they can just get through the regular season, and then get to the playoffs, get to the ACC championship game, then the playoffs, I think we'll probably see Trevor Lawrence come back into form, but right now... You know, I'm just wondering if if that young man is okay. In the Big Ten, I'm taking Minnesota over Maryland. So P.J. Fleck has got his boys rowing that boat. (laughs) In the Big 12, I'm taking Oklahoma over Kansas State. In the Pac-12, I'm taking USC over Colorado. And in the SEC, Bama over Arkansas. Now, of those five games, the two games that I'm really interested in are the Oklahoma over Kansas State matchup as well as the USC over Colorado. I have those highlighted and I just I feel like those may be more competitive games than we may think compared to the other locks that I had mentioned and from the other conferences. I think the Big 12 and Pac-12 matchups for this weekend, those will have the most intrigue. And uh, I'm going to keep my eyes on all the games, but those two matchups in particular, I'm really interested in. So those are my week nine locks for this week. Let me run down that list for you one more time. In the ACC, Clemson over BC. In the Big Ten, Minnesota over Maryland. In the Big 12, Oklahoma over Kansas State. In the Pac-12, USC over Colorado. And in the SEC, Bama over Arkansas. Now if we recap some games from week eight action, it was a lot of fun. And of course, you got to start with the main attraction with the biggest game of the weekend. Ended up being Illinois versus number six ranked Wisconsin. This was the most talked about game this weekend. A lot of folks are saying that this was the upset of the season. And I kind of got ahead of myself there. You know, if you haven't watched the game... You know now that Illinois got the victory over Wisconsin by a score of 24 to 23. Illinois was 30 and a half point underdogs in this matchup to Wisconsin at home. And I believe it was Illinois' homecoming, if, I, if I'm if i remembering correctly. So I, I had a lot of friends out there. I grew up in Illinois, so a lot of my friends went there to school. And so a lot of them went back for homecoming. I saw all these pictures of the Illinois matchup, the upset. Folks rushing the field, like it, it looked like it was a wild scene that weekend. So I'm sure my friends had a lot of fun and it would have been cool to, to see something like that in person because I'm sure coming into that matchup, no one expected Illinois to have a shot at winning that game. No one. And if they said they did, they're liars because you're 30 and a half point underdogs. Like you think that you are going to slow down 
one of the hottest teams this season in Wisconsin. They have Jonathan Taylor, who's been phenomenal this season. They were undefeated. This team, this team looked poised to make a serious run in the Big Ten, and Illinois beat them. Wisconsin had three costly turnovers in this game. Jonathan Taylor, the running back who I just mentioned, he rushed for 132 yards. I think he had a, a fumble in this game. But anytime you have multiple turnovers, you're letting your opponent into the game. And that's the case here. It's picture perfect. Illinois capitalized on those turnovers caused by its defense, and they were able to win this game by one point. Now, I mentioned Jonathan Taylor. He rushed for 132 yards for the Badgers, and he actually became the fastest to reach 5,000 yards rushing for his career. He's only a junior, and eventually, someday, he will be a college football Hall of Famer. But that's outstanding for this young man in his third season at Wisconsin to already rush for 5,000 yards rushing for his career. That's, that's Hats off. That's awesome. Now, getting back to the, the biggest story, though, Illinois got that upset over Wisconsin on the legs of James McCourt. He's their kicker, and he is now the new mayor of Liddyville. He kicked a 39-yard field goal as time expired to win the game. Many are calling this the biggest upset of the college football season. So this was a phenomenal game for Illinois. I, I can't even imagine being there as a, as a fan, as a player. I'm sure it was amazing. Now, I know one person in particular who is probably the biggest Illinois fan that I know, and he didn't even go to the school, but he's still the biggest Illinois fan I know. And I want to call in to him right now. I want to do a live check-in with my man, Herb Lawrence from 670 The Score. He's been on the show before in the past. He has great content on Twitter. He's he's a great follow, and he just has great insight into the program. Let's give Herb Lawrence a call right now to see how he's doing after that historic upset, Illinois over Wisconsin. Here we go. Let's call him up. It's your good friend Andre Cherry from the Cherry Picking Podcast, and I just wanted to get you on the podcast to get your immediate reaction to that historic upset that your Illinois Fighting Illini had at home against number six ranked Wisconsin. Tell me, how do you feel? Were you at the game? Winning this game versus uh, number six ranked Wisconsin was unbelievable. 31 point underdogs to Wisconsin. I didn't think they had a chance of covering, much less winning the game. I didn't watch the game because I had other things to do with my mom's birthday. It was this, uh, this weekend. Well, it's actually Tuesday, but I can't get out of work on Tuesday. So I took her out to lunch, and so I wasn't expecting this and went to enjoy a good day. And when I was buying shoes at the end of the meal, um, I was pleasantly surprised by what they did. I mean, I wasn't getting uh, scoring updates. People were texting me throughout the day, but I was with my mom, so I wasn't really paying attention. And then, like, I got a flurry of texts, so I knew that Illinois either kept it close or had won the game. So, yeah, it's probably, if not their biggest upset of all time, number two, uh, one I can think of that is um, closely is uh, Illinois at Ohio State, number one Ohio State, but that Illinois team was ranked and eventually went to the Rose Bowl. This team is not that good, and they won't be going to the Rose Bowl or maybe any bowl. Herb, first of all, 
The entire cherry picking team just wants to say happy birthday, happy belated birthday to your mom. Hope she had a great day with her son. And I also want to thank you for talking to us and giving us your reaction from that game this past weekend. And I'm sorry for waking you up from your nap. I hope you get some sleep, well-deserved rest, because you work very hard. But thank you for being a fan and supporter of the Cherry Picking Podcast. I'm glad that we were able to have you on, and I hope you have a great rest of the day. Just some more factoids about this game. Illinois is the first team to win outright as more than a 30-point underdog since Iowa State did it against number 3 Oklahoma on October 7th, 2017. Illinois beat a ranked team for the first time since 2011, and they beat a ranked Big Ten team for the first time since 2007 when the Illini beat number one Ohio State en route to the Rose Bowl that season. If you remember, they had Juice Williams, they had Rashard Mendenhall as the running back, so that team was a pretty legit team for Illinois, but the difference is this team is pretty bad. I'm saying that nicely. They're they're not the same type of team. That that Illinois team from 2007 was highly competitive and they were expected to go to a bowl game. This team is not that and, you know, Herb Lawrence said, you know, this potentially was the biggest upset that he knows as an Illinois fan. So, that's uh that's saying something. I mean, that's a big statement win for Lovey Smith. That's a big statement win for his program and you can only move up from here. I mean, that the sky's the limit now. To continue on here, the last time Illinois beat a ranked team at home was October 6, 2007. Uh, it was a 31 to 26 victory against number 5 Wisconsin. So, Illinois is just uh they just haven't done it in quite a long time, but it feels good when you when you do it. And so I'm sure they are still riding high from that upset victory from Saturday. Illinois has been in games this season. So I, I don't want this upset to seem like it came out of the blue because it, it hasn't. Illinois has been in some games this season, including the 42-38 to loss to Nebraska and the 42-25 to loss to Michigan. Those guys were in that those two games. Illinois was in those games, but they were on the losing end of that. Now, from this weekend, they finally get a chance to win one against a ranked team in Wisconsin that was probably looking ahead to its matchup to Ohio State this upcoming weekend. So Illinois probably burst that bubble for Wisconsin, but again, hats off to this program. This is a tremendous victory. And I think the only thing that is a negative, I guess you would say, is that they're going to slap themselves for letting the Eastern Michigan game slip away from them. That was a game that they needed to win, in my mind, in order to become bowl eligible this season. And I'm not saying that they can't do that. They are still... Three games on his schedule that Illinois could win to become bowl eligible. And those games are this weekend at Purdue, then on November 2nd against Rutgers. That should be an easy win. And then on November 30th against in-state rival Northwestern. I think, honestly, they'll probably most likely win two of those three games that I just mentioned. And I think they'll win five games overall. And that means they'll be missing on a bowl again for Lovey's, what is this, his fourth season there in Champaign. So I I thought that they could go to a bowl game coming into this season, factoring in the Eastern Michigan victory. But the fact that they lost that matchup, that really put them behind the eight ball. And this win against Wisconsin, while it was unprecedented, while no one predicted it, I think it's great. But if they don't win these next three games, they are not going to a bowl game. And it starts this weekend at Purdue. This is the biggest game 
of their schedule is against Purdue because if they win that game, they can get forward momentum. That's two wins in the conference and they're feeling good. They're, they will roll on to beat Rutgers and I think they'll have enough juice to, to then beat Northwestern at the end of the season. But if they lose at Purdue, I think it's a wrap. I think it's it's done. So we'll see how it shakes out. But again, Illinois over Wisconsin, what a crazy game. And hats off to all those fans in Champaign. Hats off to the football program for doing the unthinkable, for having the biggest upset in college football this season. Hats off. And congrats to Lovey Smith, because I'm sure that was a great victory, a great feeling, and we'll see where they can go from here. And then we had number 18, Baylor versus Oklahoma State. Baylor rolls on. They get the 45-27 to victory over the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And Baylor out-offenses Oklahoma State. And I did not think I would say that coming into this podcast. I did not think that Baylor would out-offense OK State. Baylor had 536 total yards compared to Oklahoma State's 469 total yards. Baylor's defense also forced three turnovers. So Baylor, they played all phases of the game very well. And it was that was definitely a trap game that I saw coming into this because Chuba Hubbard uh, has been phenomenal for Oklahoma State, and if they put it together, Oklahoma State can make a run. You know, they can beat teams. They're, they're capable. They have the roster to do it. They have a, a great coach in Mike Gundy. They know how to win games. And for Baylor to remain undefeated and remain in the hunt for the Big Twelve, that was a game that they needed to win. And that was a game that I was a little worried about coming into it because Oklahoma State can put up points. But Baylor outscores Oklahoma State. They out-offense the Cowboys. And I didn't think that was something that would happen, to be honest. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, I mentioned, he had a great day rushing the ball for Oklahoma State. He racked up 171 yards on 32 carries with two touchdowns. And he quietly leads all FBS rushers with over 1,200 yards rushing and 15 touchdowns for this season. This guy's not getting a lot of hype in the media, but he's one phenomenal running back. And I'm sure he'll probably be at the Heisman ceremony at the end of the season. But Chuba Hubbard has been a bright spot for Oklahoma State. So we'll see if he can keep racking up those yards as the season progresses on. Baylor faces West Virginia and TCU these next two weeks. So those should be victories there. However, Baylor will face its toughest competition in Oklahoma and Texas back-to-back beginning on 11-16. So I think it's during those two matchups, we'll see how real Baylor is. And that Baylor versus Oklahoma game is going to be amazing. So I cannot wait for that. And so that was an exciting game that I I didn't think would be as exciting. I thought it would be a close game. I thought it'd be a low scoring affair due to Baylor's defense. But no, Baylor put up the offense and they live to see another day as an undefeated team. Hats off to ex-Temple coach Matt Rule for doing the damn thing down in Waco. Then we have number 16 Michigan versus number 10 Penn State. Penn State holds on to get the victory 28 to 21. This was a game where Michigan needed to play a perfect game. But they didn't. Michigan had the ball for close to 38 minutes. But Penn State's defense forced a key turnover from Shea Patterson during this game. Which I think would eventually be the deciding factor in this matchup. You know, you needed to play a close you needed to play a close game. You needed to play a perfect game. And you didn't do it. And so you only have yourself to blame for that. I never believed in Michigan. I mean, it was a fun game. Uh, but I just, I didn't think Michigan was for real this season. And I haven't seen it yet. And I I wouldn't even go out and say that next year they'll be good. Like, I just, they get too much love and it's undeserved. Until they show me something, I'm never going to be a believer in Michigan. 
that shit. I'm just not. Another game that I was watching was number 12, Oregon versus number 25, Washington. This was a great display of quarterbacks in this game as Oregon's Justin Herbert and Washington's Jacob Eason were slinging the football all across the field. Herbert threw for four touchdowns and Eason had three. So what a great display of quarterbacks. Oregon would hold on to get the victory. It was a real close matchup, but I'm sure that was a great game to watch if you were out there. Then we had North Carolina versus Virginia Tech. And Virginia Tech would get the 43-41 to victory over the Tar Heels. This game took six overtimes and more than four hours to play, so it was a long one. This game marked the debut of college football's new overtime rules, which now call for going for two points after the fourth overtime. And with this game, this was the longest game in ACC history. UNC is 3-4 and four and 2-2 two and two in the conference, but... I can think of three games this season where the Tar Heels were on the victory's doorstep to only lose at the end. So Mac Brown will need to find a way for his team to finish ball games because they've been in it. They've been competitive. They've looked like one of the more legit teams out of the ACC this season. I know the ACC is down, but UNC has been a part of some good games and they've stuck, stuck around and hung, hung in games where I thought they didn't have a shot. So UNC only has themselves to blame for that one, but... Again, they're going to have to finish games to uh, eventually win games. So we'll see what they can do from here. So those were the games that I was glued to in Week 8 action. If we take a look ahead to Week 9, I want to preview some of the games that I'll be watching this weekend, which includes in the Big 12, Oklahoma State versus Iowa State. This is a big game for Iowa State, who is currently in second place in the conference. They're tied with Texas. Iowa State has the statistical edge on defense over Oklahoma State as the defense only gives up 334 yards per game compared to Oklahoma State's defense allowing 432 yards. So Iowa State can can win this game. I, I think this will be a tough matchup for them, though, for all the reasons that we've known from Oklahoma State to be offensive juggernauts in the Big 12. I think Iowa State will definitely be busy this weekend, but I give the quarterback edge to Brock Purdy, who's a a phenomenal leader. He's a great passer, and he's already amassed over 2,100 yards through the air with 14 touchdowns. So I'd give the edge to Iowa State in this matchup, but again, this is a trap game, and Iowa State's really going to have to play great in all phases of the game to get this victory and to live to see another day. Then we have Texas Tech versus Kansas. This game is in Lawrence, and I'm not so sure that Kansas will lose this game. I really I really could see Kansas winning this game. They want they want to win in the Big 12. I think they could get it this weekend at home against Texas Tech. I'm just throwing it out there. Then we have Illinois versus Purdue. I mentioned it earlier. If Illinois wants to remain in the bowl hunt, this game against Purdue is do or die. Then in the SEC, the big game of the whole weekend is number nine Auburn visiting number two LSU. These two teams are pretty evenly matched. Whoever wins this game is going to have to play a perfect game in all phases of the game. I give the advantage to LSU for hosting this game at home in Baton Rouge and I expect Joe Burrow to have a monster performance to help his LSU Tigers win this game and to see another day and to remain undefeated. So those are the games that I'll be watching this weekend. I can't wait to watch the action unfold, and I can't wait to break it down with you guys next week. So hope you guys have fun watching those games. It should be a great weekend of college football. And before I go, I do want to share my updated playoff tracker with you all. 
And so we'll take a look at the teams on the playoff tracker, and I'll tell you how they're how they're doing and who they play this weekend. So on my playoff tracker, I have number two LSU. They beat Mississippi State this past weekend by a score of 36 to 13. They face number nine Auburn this week. Then we have number four Clemson. They beat Louisville in week eight by a score of 45 to 10. This week, they face a BC squad who is coming off of a victory after beating my beloved NC State Wolfpack in week eight. But Clemson and BC will face off in week nine. And Clemson actually dropped down one spot in the AP poll from number three uh, from last week. So they're still a top four team, but uh, they dropped down one spot this week. Then we have number five, Oklahoma. They beat West Virginia 52 to 14. I'm sorry, Casey Kane. I'm sure that one stings a little bit. But this weekend, Oklahoma faces Kansas State in week nine. They moved up one spot in the poll this week, Oklahoma did, to number five. They were number six last week, so Oklahoma continues to roll on. Jalen Hurts has performed very well this season, and they are looking like one of the better teams in college football. So I'm glad I have them in my playoff tracker. And then we have number 12, Utah. I have them highlighted in red because they lost to USC earlier in the season. So they have one loss, but they beat number 17, Arizona State, this past weekend. By a score of 21 to 3. This weekend, Utah faces Cal in week 9. And the Utah Utes, they moved up one spot in the AP poll for this week. So they moved up from 13 to number 12. So Utah, while I have them in red and I, I don't know that they will make the playoffs, Utah is putting themselves in position to be considered should there be a major shakeup at the top. I think Utah will fall right into place should that happen. So we'll see. I'm still holding out hope that maybe Utah can make it and that I can get all four of these teams into the playoffs, but we'll see what happens as we move closer and closer to the end of the season. It's getting tougher now, and we're in week nine action. LSU's playing a tough one this weekend against Auburn, so we could see some shakeups in my playoff tracker this week. So I cannot wait to really dive into it. I can't wait for college football to kick off this weekend. Thank you guys for listening to the show. I appreciate all the support. I appreciate all the the follows, the downloads, the likes, the retweets. Thank you guys. And I want to give a thanks to Herb Lawrence. He's the executive producer at 670 The Score. Thank you for sharing your immediate reaction to the Illinois versus Wisconsin upset from this past weekend. Greatly appreciated. Thank you for being a contributor to the show. And hope your mom had a great birthday too, by the way. So... Thank you all around to your mom, to Herb Lawrence, to the fans. Thank you guys for following the show and uh, hope to talk to you again after this week's action unfolds and plays out. And it's going to be a good one, guys. Week nine action is officially here. Hope you guys have fun and I'll talk to you soon. Have a great week, guys. Take care. So Illinois is just, uh, they just haven't done it in quite a long time, but it feels good when you, when you do it. (laughs) Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickingsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickinsports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.